wanted to say, uh, what, if, what if you knew that God was trying to get your attention? What, what if you knew that God was trying to tell you something? I want to show you today that our God is always speaking, reaching, touching, beckoning, calling, um, desirous to speak to us. Our God is a communicating God. Amen? He's not off there in the universe creating new worlds, um, apathetic to our plight, none of those things. Our God cares, and he's got something he's trying to tell us. So today, I'm just going to call this, God is trying to tell you something. Amen? So I want to look at Hebrews 1 and verse 1, and listen to what the writer of Hebrews, who who I'm convinced was Paul. There's no doubt in my mind it was Paul. But since it's a, a controversy, I'll just say the writer of Hebrews, Paul. But look what he says. Long ago, God spoke in many different ways to our fathers through the prophets in visions, dreams, and even face-to-face, telling them little by little about his plans. But now in these last days, he has spoken to us through his Son, to whom he has given everything and through whom, look what it says about Jesus, through whom God made the world and everything there is. Everything there is was made, went through the fingers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you today that you're trying to tell us something, that you're a God that cares enough to talk to us, to speak to us, to address us, as we saw last time, to call us by our name. And now, Lord, today, I pray, help us to hear what you're trying to say in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them, God's trying to tell you something. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. God bless you. Now, this verse makes it very clear that from the beginning of time, God was a communicating God. Even after Adam and Eve fell into sin, God was immediately desirous to communicate with them. Remember, he went searching for Adam in the garden. And he, and he spoke the, the, the haunting words, Adam, where are you? And from then on, God began to speak to us, as the verse says, in many different ways. He raised up prophets. He spoke through dreams, giving people dreams, where in the dream, God spoke to them. Uh, even face-to-face, he spoke to Moses face-to-face. And we see all throughout the Bible that God is a communicating God. He has spoken to mankind in many, many different ways. And now today, he speaks to us exclusively and uniquely through his son, Jesus Christ. And through Jesus, no wonder he's called the Word, because he spoke like no man ever spoke. Through him, God spoke directly to us, taught us how to live life, taught us how to do right and wrong, not wrong, the difference between right and wrong. He spoke, he taught, he ministered, and his words captivated people. And if you got a Bible that is uh, where the words of Jesus are in red ink, you ought to just go through there and look at all the things that Jesus Christ said. And John tells us 
that that's only a sampling, that if we had everything Jesus Christ had said and done, we could not hold the books in the world. Of all that he said and all that he did. So he's not some distant God out there unattached from us and apathetic to us, but he wants to communicate and relate to every person on earth, and he wants to speak to you. He wants to communicate with you. He's got something he wants to tell you. Amen. How many of you are glad that Jesus hadn't quit talking? Amen. God still has a mouth. Amen. And when God is trying to tell us something, I've noticed this, when God is really trying to tell us something, uh, it tends to come at us from several different directions. You know, you know we'll get it, uh, maybe an impression in our heart that God is trying to tell us something. God will impress our heart about something. And then it'll come to us through somebody else. And then we'll hear a message preached or taught, just happen to be flipping through the radio, and we'll catch a phrase. And it's like it confirms something that God has already been saying to us. I've noted that when God is trying to get your attention, he will come from this direction, that direction, from several different sources. He will say it over and over again until we finally get, God is trying to talk to me. God is trying to tell me something. So let me just deal quickly with first people who are not Christians. And I know most in here are Christians, but I don't assume everybody is. And those watching by streaming video, we welcome you today to Turning Point Service. And there in your living room, your office, wherever you happen to be, uh, we're praying for you. And the same God that is here is there with you. And I pray that God blesses you with the word today. But maybe even you are not sure about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen carefully. If you're not a Christian today, God is trying to tell you something. He wants to tell you primarily that he loves you. Can I say that again? God is trying to tell you, if you're not a Christian, God is trying to tell you something. He wants you to hear him saying to you, I love you. He loves you. God is trying to tell you that he loves you profoundly and that his love was so great for you that he was willing to give his only son to die for you for the express purpose of you being brought into relationship with him. He loves you. God wants you to know out there in your struggle, out there in your pain, out there in your lostness and confusion and despair and your hurt and your setbacks and your sufferings, God loves you, and he wants you to know that. John 3.16 says in the, out of the Message Bible, I want to just bring it a little bit differently today. So here's what it says. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and eternal life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. No, he came to help. He came to put the world right again. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord praise. That's all right. And if you're not a Christian, God is trying to tell you this. God is trying to tell you this. If you're not a believer, this is what God is saying to you. And he's probably tried to tell you this way before 
You walked into today, to, uh, today's service. He's told you from this source and that source, and you've heard it here, and you've heard it there, and now you're hearing it again. Because when God is trying to tell you something, he repeats it. He comes at you over and over again. So by being here today or tuning into the radio broadcast or seeing us on social media, he's trying to tell you again how much he loves you. He's real, he's there, and he loves you, you. He knows your name. He knows your address. He knows when you were born. He knows the day you will die. He knows you, and he wants you to know. He's trying to tell you that he loves you, and it's the most important thing you will ever hear. And it requires a response from you. Jesus requires a response from you and I when we hear how much God loves us to either accept it or to reject it. We have a choice. Life is made of decisions. And you are here today, uh, a sum total of all the decisions you have ever made in your life. You got up and you said, I'm, I'm making a decision to go to church. All through our life, we've made decisions, good or bad or indifferent. And we are who we are today based on the decisions we've made. And when you hear that God loves you, that requires a response. See, some messages that come to us in life are pretty inconsequential. They don't really matter that much when they come from other sources. But when God speaks, our very lives can depend on what we do with it. Our eternal life can depend on what we do with it. Let me give you an illustration. When the infamous Titanic was launched on April 10th, 1912, the builders called her invincible. It was the ship of ships. It was a marvel and a wonder in 1912. The number of who's who's among the 2,200 passengers on board for the first journey were many business executives, actors, the richest man in the world was on that trip. The ship was considered so advanced that it was assumed she would reach her destination a day early, would reach New York by Tuesday instead of Wednesday because of her great speed. Yet on that fateful day of Sunday, April 14th, the Titanic received at least four warnings from other ships warning of ice dangers. When the first warning message came, the wire operator named Jack Phillips, he was only 25 years old, casually replied to the message, received thanks. But he did not deliver the crucial message that warned of great ice packs straight ahead. And they sent another message. And another message came telling Phillips that we are totally stopped and hemmed in and can't even move forward because of the ice packs. Watch out. Be careful. But this time, Phillips angrily replied, shut up, shut up. I am busy. What was he busy doing? He was busy sending messages for the passengers of the ship to loved ones on shore. The rest is history. He ignored four messages. The captain never knew of the messages. The Titanic struck an iceberg 
at 11.40 that night. And two and a half hours later, the unsinkable ship broke in two and sank. It all happened by ignoring messages that came repeatedly. Ice ahead. Danger ahead. Watch out. You're headed for danger. You're headed for catastrophe. Turn around. Slow down. Pay attention. And what God is trying to tell the non-Christian is even more crucial. For where you spend eternity is at stake. God is trying to tell you something. He's trying to tell you that he loves you, that he sent his only begotten son to die for you. And Jesus said, there is no eternal doom awaiting those who trust him to save them, speaking of himself. But those who don't trust him have already been tried and condemned for not believing in the only son of God. So if you haven't trusted Christ to save you, God is trying to tell you something. Unlike Jack Phillips, don't ignore the message of what God is trying to tell you. The Bible says, indeed, the right time to be saved is now. Today is the day of salvation. Now, today. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow you may not have. We have today. And today God loves you. Today he wants you to know how much he loves you. And today you can be saved. Amen. Then if you are a Christian, what is God trying to tell you? I want to just share two things straight out of the word of God that I know God is trying to tell every Christian in this room, the speaker included for sure. First, he's trying to tell you that the time is short to do what's right for him. Now, I know this is kind of a strong message, but we need strong messages. Amen? So I want to say it again. What is God trying to tell us? He's trying to tell us the time is short to do what is right for him. Listen to what Paul wrote. He said, the important thing to remember is that our remaining time is very short. Everybody say very short. See, it's shorter than we think. And Paul said, the remaining time is very short, and so are our opportunities for doing the Lord's work. The time is very short. The time is short. Most people don't have as long as they think. And and, and not to mention, we live in an evil day, and the opportunities that are here for us to do the Lord's work may be gone tomorrow. So again, Paul says, I want you to keep in mind, please remember that our remaining time is very short, and so are the opportunities for doing the Lord's work. I I had my all-time favorite pastor, who I learned uh, how to preach from just by studying him, I learned a lot about standing behind a pulpit and just bringing the word of God, and he was my all-time favorite. But he got a terminal report over his life when he was only 52 years old. And the cancer that took him moved quickly. And when he was on his deathbed, all of his elders were in there. And, and, and uh, just shortly, a few hours before he was gone, he, he pointed to all of them. And this is what he said. He said, Whatever you're going to do for Jesus, do it now. Do it now. Everybody say now. See, faith is now. Faith is now. Now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. Peter said everything in the world was about to be wrapped up. 
So take nothing for granted. Stay wide awake in prayer. Don't take anything for granted. What's here today can be gone tomorrow. Opportunities that are here today can quickly be gone tomorrow. Don't take anything for granted. Those, your loved ones that are near you, tell them today you love them. Don't take anything for granted. You say, well, I'm healthy as a horse today. Don't take it for granted. Because what you can do today, you may not be able to do tomorrow. Everybody hearing me today? The time is short. What is God saying? He's, I'm trying to tell you something. Don't assume you've got all this time. Don't assume you can do all that you feel like you should do for God down the road when you're not so busy. No, make time now. Make time today. Do it today. Don't take anything for granted because everything in the world is about to be wrapped up. Jesus is at the door. The trumpet could sound at any moment, and Christ could come to take his church away. And then it's eternally too late to do what we should have done, might have done, could have done for him. God is telling his children, trying to tell his children, to take full advantage of every opportunity to serve him, to live for him, to make him first in your life, for time is short. See, nobody leaving on the Titanic on that fateful day ever imagined they only had four days left. None of them. Time was shorter than they knew. Listen, when we face Jesus Christ at the judgment seat, he won't ask us, how much money did you make? What did you drive? How, How big was the house you lived in? How popular were you? Did you ever get a traffic ticket? He's not gonna say any of that. Say, well, Pastor Jeff, what's he gonna say? He's gonna say, what'd you do for me? Did you live for me? Was I first? Did you serve me in reaching others in my name? Did you use the gift I gave you? Did you get out there and make a difference? Or was it all about you? Jesus told a parable one day about a rich man And life was all about him. I mean, it was all about him. If you read the parable, you find that he he got rich for himself. He built barns to put more grain in for himself. He reached the day when he decided it was time to retire. And he stepped aside from his work. And he said, eat, drink, and be merry. You have much stored up. Now go enjoy life. Go hit the links. Go take a few cruises. Go enjoy what you've earned for yourself. But it was all about himself. And Jesus said that his life came to a close sooner than he anticipated. And I'm quoting the Bible now. God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be, said Jesus, with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Have you been rich toward God? Say, what do you mean, giving him money? Well, I I think giving to his work is part of it, but it's when you give him time. It's when you spend time in prayer. It's when you avail yourself to reaching others for Christ. I mean, in this church, there's there's a thousand places where you can plug in and, and, and reach out and help others in Jesus' name. Rich toward God means that you're, you're rich toward God with your time, with you, with your gift, with your effort, with your strength. You're rich toward God. That's all that's going to matter when we face him. 
Am I covered in the blood of Jesus? Was I saved? But after that, was it all about me or was it all about him? That's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Make the kingdom of God first. And the kingdom of God is the king of the kingdom. Seek first Jesus, the king of the kingdom, and live for him and seek him. Because on that day, that's all that's going to matter. That's what we'll be rewarded for. Did we serve him? Did we spend time with him? Was he numero uno or was he last on the list? Was he, he sort of a default Christ? When, I, when I'm not busy with everything else, I default to him. Amen. It's quiet in here today. Yesterday is gone. Everybody say with me, yesterday is gone. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. We have today to do what's right for the Lord. Amen? The Lord is trying to tell us that. Everybody in the church, the Lord is trying to tell us that. Time is short. Paul wrote, so be careful how you act. These are difficult days. Don't be fools, be wise. Make the most of every opportunity you have for doing good. Amen. I mean, in a church like this, there's no excuse to not get plugged into something and reach somebody somewhere for the glory of God. Amen? I want to see a whole bunch of people behind me in heaven who God graced me to lead to him. Amen? Then the second and last thing God is trying to tell every Christian is this. In all things, let the Bible be your truth. You say, well, Jeff, that's kind of strange that you would, you would say that. Not really at all, because I think that's one of the crying needs of the day. It's one of the dangers of the church today. So I'm going to say it again. God's trying to tell us all something, that he gave us a book comprised of 66 books, and that book is truth. That book is God's truth. That book is God's word to us. The Bible says of itself that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means it was breathed out. Theonoustos is the Greek word. Breathed out by God. The Holy Bible is the word of God. It is our truth. Now, why would I say this today? Because we live in a day of toxic deception. So the Lord is trying to tell the church, I've given you a book of truth. I want you to hang on to it for your life. Because of social media and mass communication, the devil's been able to find uh, and flood the airwaves and our computers with massive deception, moral deception, deception about God himself about what genuine Christianity looks like and is like, about what is right and wrong, massive deception about what God would call right and what God would call wrong. We're living in a culture that is now calling wrong right and right wrong. And if you are standing for what is right, you are wrong. And if you're standing for what is wrong, you are right. Our culture is massively deceived and massively confused, but it should not be so for the Lord Jesus Christ and his church. We ought to, but the only way to avoid deception is to let all things, in all things, let the Bible be your truth. Jesus warned of our day. He was asked, Lord, what are the signs going to be of the last days before you come again? What is it going to look like in the world before you come again? And Jesus said this. Again, out of the Message Bible. Watch out for doomsday deceivers. Many leaders are going to show up with forged identities. Can I read that again? Many leaders are going to show up with forged identities. 
If you've got a forged identity, you're a phony and a fake. And he said that they will say, I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. They will deceive, Jesus said, a lot of people. Paul wrote, he said, in the last days, many will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons, things that demons literally teach. And how will they be drawn away? Because the Bible is not their source of all truth. See, if the Bible is your truth, you're safe. If you know your Bible, you, you, every, every day when you read that word, you lessen your chances of ever being deceived. Jesus said, thy word is truth. John wrote, you heard that an antichrist is coming. We hear a lot about the antichrist. Hollywood's jumped in, all kinds of movies about the antichrist. And and so the Bible does predict that there will be one man, a unique man, named the antichrist, who will appear on the world stage, and for a brief period of time, he will rule most of the world. And that's a fact. But John said, well, You heard that Antichrist is coming. Well, they're already all over the place. Antichrist, everywhere you look, plural. Antichrist, plural. Now, it's not talking about the one man of sin, the son of perdition that Paul talks about. But the Antichrist, anti just means against. If I'm anti-something, then I'm against it. If I'm anti-abortion, I'm against it. If I'm anti-heroin, I'm against it. If you're anti-Christ, you're against him. And John said, they're already all over the place. Antichrist everywhere you look. And what do antichrist do? They resist Christ. They come against Christ. They teach against Christ. And John said, that's how we know that we're close to the end. Because there's already many antichrists. Now, you can turn on network TV or uh, almost any of the cable channels, and more and more and more I've, I've noticed. Now, I don't watch much network TV at all and very little cable, but I, but I read a lot, and I see what's going on out there. And there are comedians and comedians and Hollywood types and, and wealthy people and people who are on the, the, the world stage via mass media, and they are literally taking hits against Christ. They are cursing Christ, mocking Christ, mocking Christians, mocking the church, mocking the Bible. Mocking the return of Christ. I saw a major Hollywood actor. I saw a clip on a news story of him on a popular, very popular television show, mocking the return of Christ. Like anybody who believed that is stupid, ignorant, backwoods, bigoted. So God is trying to tell us in this day of deception, make the word of God your truth. The word is your truth. The final arbiter of everything you accept in your life has got to come through. It's got to come through the sifter of the word of God. Hear me, church. I I guess I'm warning us today. I'm bringing kind of a warning, but I've, I've learned this. You've got to stay in the Word. You've got to stay in the Bible. It's either your truth or it's not. And if it's not, then something else is going to become your truth because everybody here has got something speaking into your life. So for the Christian, the Bible 
is, is the number one sifter and confirmer of anything God is saying to us. And we should always go to the Bible first. With any issue, any question, we should go to the Bible first. Not to our emotions, not to our feelings, not to personal experiences, or not to well-meaning friends or others who are speaking into our lives, but they're telling us something that is not biblical. But always go to the word, of which Jesus said, your word is truth. Listen to what David thought about the word of God. Your words, now this is out of the Living Bible. Your words are a flashlight to light the path ahead of me and keep me from stumbling. He said again, therefore, all of your precepts, that means all of the word that David had concerning all things, I consider to be right. Have you done that? Have you looked at your Bible and said, you know what, I don't care what I hear. I I accept everything in this Bible. I consider everything in it to be right. Now, you say, Jeff, you're going off into weird stuff there because what about Noah and what about Jonah and the whale and all of that? Jesus affirmed every one of those. Jesus affirmed every one of those stories. As Jonah was three days and nights in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be three days and nights in the belly of the earth. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. Jesus affirmed every one of those stories. So I accept the Bible's moral teaching, its ethical teaching, its theological teaching, its historical teaching, its philosophical teaching. I receive everything David said. I consider all of it to be right. Let God be true and every man a liar. And again, David wrote, I have thought much about your words and stored them in my heart so that they would hold me back from sin. So what is God trying to tell us? He's trying to tell the lost, I love you. Time is short. Today is the day of salvation. And I want you to know I can save you, change you, deliver you, come into your heart. I'm not talking about accepting a religion Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with with a true living Savior. Each and every day, I walk not with a book of rules and regulations, but I walk with a Savior who walks with me and talks with me and tells me I am his own. Amen? And if you're saved, God is trying to tell you the time is short to do what's right. And in all things, let the Bible be your truth, particularly in a day of mass deception. Amen? Can we stand together today? How many of you are glad you came to church this morning? Amen. Can we bow for a moment of prayer? Father, I just thank you today. I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to be born of a virgin born in Bethlehem on that glorious morning when the angels rejoiced and God entered our world via Jesus Christ through the womb of a virgin to feel our pain, walk among us, teach us, heal us, deliver us, and die for us and rise from the dead so that we could be justified and also one day resurrected. Now, Jesus, today, help us to hear what you're trying to tell us.
If you're thankful for what he's trying to tell you, lift a hand up towards him, would you? And say, Lord, help me to hear it. Help me to hear it. Help me to hear what you're trying to tell me and to act on it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now with our heads bowed a moment, I don't know. There may be just one person here. Maybe none. I don't know. But if you have a question about your salvation today, if it spoke to you about today is the day of salvation, and God's trying to tell you that he loves you, and you want to respond to him, you can do it today. So I'm going to say a simple prayer. And if you feel like you need to pray it, if you've got a question mark about whether you're saved, you probably need to pray. And just say, Jesus, I'm asking you to truly come into my heart. I don't want to leave this building and get on the highway if I don't know that you're in my heart. So pray this with me. Simply say, Lord Jesus. You can do it. You may not have prayed in a long time, but just pray it. Say, Lord Jesus. Thank you for what you're trying to tell me. I believe that you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be saved. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I repent to you. And I invite you to come into my heart now, today, as Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, I accept you. Amen. And with your heads bowed, if you say, Jeff, I prayed that with you, would you just slip your hand up? Just put it up, just, just real quick, where I can see you. God bless you, and you, and you. God bless you, several of you. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. Those of you that, that raise your hand, look at me. I'm going to close out this service in just a moment. And when I do, I want you to come down. And Robert, this guy right here, is going to be with me. And we're going to pray with you. And we're going to give you something to take home with you. And you need to tell somebody you prayed. You prayed with me. Tell me. Because I want to rejoice with you. And I want to give you something to help you in your walk. Amen. So if you raise your hand, don't go out that way. Come down this way. The roast won't burn. You'll still get a good place at the restaurant. Okay? Uh, I promise you. All right. If you're glad you came to church today, give the Lord a hand. Amen. Amen, amen.